Welcome everyone to Get Better at Business. It is my honor and privilege to be here with you today and to have my dear friend, inspiration and muse, Dr. Christopher Taylor with me today. So I know all of the amazing things about how great you are, but for those who are not privileged to know your background, your history, all of the amazing things that you have accomplished in your past, you know, might, might be a challenge, but why don't you condense that down into about 30 seconds, you know, of, of all of those things. That might, yeah. Well, thank you, Travis. It's wonderful to be here. Uh, I've never been called a muse before, so uh, thank you for that. Uh, I would say my greatest achievement, I got nominated as loudest male at, uh, on, like, on a high school uh, trip to Valley Forge. So there's, there's that. That's where, that's where my career begins and ends right there, I think. You know, uh, I, don't see, I don't see the plaque in the background for that. Did you, or what, was it a trophy that just not, does not fit on that case? What, what, whatever became of that uh, recognition? Sure. It was just an eight by eleven sheet of paper that somebody printed out at the conference <laughs> and gave to me. Uh, it's somewhere. I'm sure my mom has it. And she has everything. Well, uh, in addition oh, to being, oh, I'm sorry. In, in addition to being noted for your volume, you are also a, a PhD, licensed therapist, very successful entrepreneur, and so not nearly as exciting as that trip to Valley Forge, but give us a little breakdown on some of those other accolades. Sure. So after high school, I went on to college at Texas A&M. Uh, I got a bachelor's in philosophy with a focus in 19th century existential philosophy. Uh, and I got my master's from Dallas Seminary uh, in counseling, where I continued studying existentialism uh, unofficially because they, they didn't have a program for that. Uh, and then I got my doctorate after that in counseling education and supervision. And uh, from there, launched Taylor Counseling Group uh, to what it is now. I really do enjoy your origin story of the where Taylor Counseling Group came from and how you got the idea to start the business in the way that you did. Your model is different than a lot of other counselors, therapists. Just take us back to that time whenever you realized that the way that you wanted to run your business was different than the way that other counselors and therapists were running theirs. Yeah. Uh, so therapy for a long time, traditionally has just been this sort of like 1099 model where maybe a senior therapist might hire some other therapist to come work for them. And then they just get sort of paid a percentage of what they bring in. Uh, and my experience with that working for some of my professors in grad school and, and my experience in the field after I graduated with my master's, was just that there was no legacy there, uh, that these practices were just sort of in name only and, and they, they would grow and then you know somebody would retire and, and move on. And there was no real culture uh, of, of, uh, of, of growth. There was no culture of wholeness. And so what, what I really wanted to do was create a place where therapists could uh, really call home and be a part of a, a, of a family, of an organization, of a group that was bigger than, than just their name. And so uh, in developing Taylor Counseling Group, one of the things we really wanted to do was to hire therapists as W-2 salaried employees and sort of remove the, the concept of you need to see so many clients to make X number of dollars and just say you're going to get a guaranteed salary every, every week. And so we pay them every week. 
Uh, and this allowed us to focus more on treatment and less on numbers, right? More on people and less on number of sessions. Uh, so from that, we saw therapists really collaborating more because it's no longer a system of competition. There's no way to compete. There's no way for our therapists to earn more than another therapist. And in fact, our, our therapists don't even, you know, they don't touch money at all uh, in our practice. So everything's automate, aut automatic um, through our EHR platform. But this allows the therapist for internal referrals for the best therapist in the group. Uh, if, if say you were to come in for therapy individually and then you and Crystal wanted to come in for couples therapy, that that therapist would, would not be incentivized to see both of you. So, so it would be in their best interest and in the group's best interest and in your best interest, uh, for you to continue to see that therapist and then you and Crystal to see another one for couples. So you mentioned culture, you mentioned legacy, and I, I guess as I know that a big challenge that everyone is dealing with, and I know that you and I have talked specifically about how hard it is that your your barrier to growth and creating more of a culture and a, a bigger culture and a bigger legacy is simply finding people and the hiring that that goes into that. And so what what do you specifically see within your culture that makes that easy? And then is there anything about your business model and the way you have your company run that makes it a little more difficult? Yeah, I would say it makes it far more difficult for us to hire uh, because there is no um, financial incentive other than just the salary that they get. Uh, in most other groups or most other practices, or if you just wanted to go and start your own practice as a therapist, uh, you know, you set your own rate and you decide what you make. Uh, so you might want to charge $175 an hour, right? Because you, you might be worth that. Uh, uh, and there's definitely a space for that in the market. So I'm not, I'm not putting those people down, but when we hire people, we, we have to really stress our culture and our values, uh, and, and tell people, you know, that we're only looking for therapists that, uh, meet and match and, and agree to our values. We actually require in the onboarding process that they sign a document, a, a culture statement where they verify that they believe and agree in our five core values. Uh, so, so that, that really does make it difficult for, for therapists that have a specific number in mind that say, you know, I need to make this, or I'm motivated by working harder or longer. Uh, so, so those therapists, we tend to encourage them to go, you know, start their own practice or look for a group that does that. So it does make it more difficult for us to hire in that regard. But what we see in exchange is invaluable. And what we get are, what we have is extremely low, radically low turnover. Uh, therapists stay with us for a long time. We have, you know, we're seven years old now, Taylor Counts Group. We have several therapists that have been with us from day one that are still here. Uh, and, you know, have told me several times that they have no intention of leaving unless it's to leave the state or the career field. So you, you mentioned that you get that staying power, you get that loyalty from them in return. Yeah. To what extent do you think that having that tenure among your therapists is related to the front end process of kind of making it difficult and sort of scaring, like, I don't think that you're a scary dude, but kind of scaring away the wrong people and in, as you said, encouraging them to go find something elsewhere. You know, I guess what would you 
to what extent would you attribute the team that you have been able to build to that front end process of being really specific about who you want to hire versus what you do afterwards uh, and the the culture culture building and team building that you do after they're on board? Yeah, I would say 100%, really. Uh, we, in the really? beginning, you know, we got into a place where we needed to hire people. We were growing so quickly, we just needed to hire people. And so we would we made a few concessions here and there. And those people are not with us anymore. They, they have left uh, because uh, they were not the right fit for our culture. And as we learned that early on, we, we came up with a essentially just a, a, a no negotiation policy of just sort of a take it or leave it. You know, we, we show them this is our culture. These are our values. This is how we operate. This is what we do. We like you. We would love for you to join our team, but only if you agree to these things. And we, we don't have any handcuffs. We, have, we don't have a non-compete policy. Uh, only while they work for us, they're not allowed to work at other groups, but that's, that's pretty standard. Uh, but if you leave, we don't have a non-compete. We're not going to stop you from leaving. If you don't want to be here, in fact, we don't want you here because we want you to go be the best version of you wherever that is. We'd prefer for it to be here, but if it's not, uh, then we just want to encourage you to go do that. Well, I mean, and I guess the question is, as you say, well, we would prefer for you to be here, but I, I guess it's like, well, not really. If you don't want to be <laughs> yeah. here, then we don't want you here. I mean, and that's, exactly. does it, as a therapist and someone that I would assume values empathy and inclusion and mm-hmm. respect for the individual, do you feel bad saying that out loud to me right now that if you don't want to be here, we don't want you? Yeah, I did in the beginning because it felt weird. But as I've gotten more into it, 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 it's much more natural now. And it makes a lot of sense, really, because we don't want to push people into our culture. We don't want to push people into this job that they might not love. Uh, we want we believe in human capital. That's our core. It's our foundational core value. Uh, and and in view of that, we, we like to see people doing what they love in a place that they love with people that they love. And, and we believe that if our therapists are at their best, then they will do their best and be their best. Uh, and that we've seen time and time again, proven over and over that therapists that want to be here, that, that love our values, that love what we stand for, that love affordable care, that love community support, that really love those things, they, they don't care about the rest of it. They don't care about anything else because they know they're being taken care of and they want to be here. But if they don't, if, if their individual values don't align with ours, it, it's not going to work out well for anybody. They're going to get upset. They're, they're not going to like, they're not going to love what they do every day. They're not going to love coming into the office. And, and we just don't, we don't want that because we don't want you to not be your best. So as we said at the very beginning, your business model is very different than Mm -hmm. other counselors. And in particular, you know, really one of your core competencies specifically is that you, Chris Taylor, you are a a good business person and you are able to alleviate them, uh, alleviate the burden of running the business from the therapist to allow them to do that. So I, I would assume that that is a big contributor to your culture, but for people that do not have that frame of reference and have never seen this before and have never experienced it, how do you communicate this culture that they maybe that they don't have that frame of reference where they wouldn't understand? Yeah, I think our website does a really great job of telling our story 
and kind of walking them through what they get uh, with joining us. We, we've spent a lot of time and energy into that. Uh, our core values are very descriptive. Um, you can kind of see all that stuff on our website, on the, on the hiring page, on the About Taylor Counseling Group page, our, our, our media stories, uh, and then just word of mouth, just other therapists just talking about how much they love their job and how much they love where they are. Uh, we invest heavily in our people. We are people first, not client first. Uh, so we invest uh, in trainings, we invest in education, we invest in making you the best therapist that you can be. And we just let that speak for itself. We just let our therapists just speak for, for our values and our culture. Uh, and we walk people through our culture deck. We have all that stuff laid out for them. We go through all the benefits that they get for being here. And then we talk about the stuff that they don't have to do. Uh, uh, and we just really focus on what they do have to do, what their responsibilities are, which is just three things. It's just show up, help people, and do your notes. And that's it. <laughs> that's, that's, all, that's all you're responsible for. You know, the rest of it we take care of. We provide the clients. We provide all the business support. You never have to touch money. You have to never have to deal with a credit card. You never have to deal uh, with a one-star Google review. You don't have to deal with anything else, just the people that you love helping. And we even let our therapists decide the populations that they work with, whether it's couples or individuals uh, or families. We let them decide how they do their therapy because we know that they're the experts and we believe in them and we believe in letting them shine. We're more about getting out of the way, really. And that, that leads me to another question, which is that as a, as a business owner, I would assume that you desire a certain amount of control and that you want things to be a certain way. I certainly in my business would like to have a lot of control. And so mm -hmm. how do you marry that up with this freedom? Cause what you're sound, what it sounds like is that you're offering a whole lot of flexibility to, to your team, uh, where th they really do have the opportunity to create their own path. And so how do you marry that up with, as a business owner, I have an idea for, where we want to grow, how we want to grow, how we want this business to evolve. And so how do you keep your hand on the wheel while still allowing them that much freedom? Great question. Um, for us, we've really separated the business operations and the therapy side of the business, right? So our therapists, they are updated, they are included, but they're not a part of the decision-making process. They don't decide when we open an office, where we open an office. They don't get a say in who we hire or anything like that. They just have to trust in the culture and trust that you know we're doing what we need to be doing. And then on the operations side, that's where we have our, our chief officers who are also therapists. Uh, everyone in our company, uh, with the exception of uh, our one or two support staffers, are, are therapists or are in training to become therapists. Uh, and so we have these people uh, that are that are very involved in the decision making process. There's five of us in the uh, in the executive uh, suite, um, and I let those four people really make the decisions. You know, I set the vision, right? That's kind of my job, uh, but I let them decide how we do it. Um, and it's in the beginning, Travis, that was terrifying for me. Uh, letting go of that level of control was terrifying. But as I've learned, one, I can't do any everything and I can't be everywhere at once. Uh, but watching them own it 
and say, this is my idea, this is my project and giving them the authority to own it and run with it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And they, and they get so invested in it and they love doing it and they show up to work and they solve the problems and they do it with a smile on their face and they're always excited. So that, that, that all sounds great. That, that sounds like a really nice thing. It's, but well, I mean, and I'm sure that it is, and I'm seeing the genuine smile on your face as you're, as you're doing this, as you're talking about it, but you mentioned that you've been in business for seven years. How long did it take you? I mean, I, I guess talk about the evolution of when you, from where you started to where you are now. And specifically, were there recalibrations that you had to do where you let go a little too much too quick or you held on too tight for too long? What was that journey like of getting to this point where you're able to smilingly talk about empowering your team to this extent? Well, right now, we just have a really great team in place. So that makes it easy for me. But uh, I'm sure if we were to lose one tomorrow, like our clinical director or chief ops officer, I would not be smiling as much. Uh, (laughs) So it is the people that make it happen, right? Uh, first year and a half, Taylor Counseling Group was just about trying to make therapy affordable, trying to take as much insurance as we could, and just trying to trying to bring on therapists. We didn't really have a huge goal or a big vision. It wasn't until we adopted EOS and I read the book Traction um, that we really brought on Gina Whitman's model uh, and set that 10-year goal and really solidified our core values and watched our culture take shape. And once that happened, uh, there was a realignment. Uh, we, we kept doing what we were doing, but we took it to the next level and we gave it passion, purpose, and meaning. And, and that people just jumped on. Everybody just fell in love with these core values and watching that, that excitement and watching people come to work every day saying, we believe in affordable care. We believe in taking these insurances. We believe in doing the hard thing uh, so that we can help as many people as possible. And then allowing them all to share in that vision and share in that process uh, through quarterly all staff meetings and, and company retreats and picnics and you know fun stuff like that. Uh, so from there, uh, you know, we, we had some, some more adjustments that had to, ma- had to be made as, as we got into year four and year five. Uh, year five was when we really, I think, solidified our executive team and I started giving them more independent authority. You know, that's when, that's when I said, hey, I'm no longer in charge of support. Like, I, I don't, you know, Christian, you're now running that show. Everything under this roof is you. David, you're now in charge of everything under our financial roof. So insurance verifications, insurance billings, all that stuff. You guys are just going to tell me what you're doing and how you're doing it. You know, I did make a mistake, I think, uh, two years ago, giving up a little too much control too quickly. And we um, we had a really nasty experience with a systems migration that just went super bad. And we ended up going back to our old system. And I, and I learned from that. Uh, that's when I found Vistage, which has been extremely valuable and helpful. <laughs> for me. Uh, and John Savanto gave me that great advice of saying, he said, you know, you, you delegated irresponsibly. You know, you delegated without purpose and mission. And, and that's why that happened. And looking back on that, I can definitely see that that is why. Is I basically just told my two chiefs, I said, go do this. You know, and I didn't really give them a lot of direction. And I didn't check in on it a lot along the way, as I should have. Uh, so learning from that and then building them up through that process was was really exciting. Have you ever read 
Patrick Lencioni's The Four Obsessions of an Extraordinary Executive? I have not. Well, the, 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 you, uh, you need to add it to your list. And the, one of the, some of the lessons that he has, and I can't recite these four things verbatim, but it was, I believe it's, number one is that it's all about the leadership team, you know, creating a cohesive, well-functioning leadership team. And then it's also about nurturing and creating a powerful culture. And then his the third one I think is over communicating the company culture and then reinforcing that culture through human systems. And so listening to you describe it, whether you knew it or not, it sounds like your obsessions align very closely with that. It in hearing you talk about your company culture and the values and how meaningful they are to your people, I I am certainly envious of how real that seems like it is to your team. I'm sure that other people listening would uh, strive for something like that as well. What do you find that you over-communicate the company culture, that you say it all the time and that it's just this constant rhythm? Or, And if so, how do you, how do, you do that? Yeah, now I do. Um, I yeah. think maybe three years ago I probably wasn't doing a very good job of that. But now, absolutely, I've learned that the hard way. One of the things that we do to make it very clear, uh, well, we've actually, um, we have uh, taken our core values uh, on our website and we've assigned these, we created these little icons for them. We, we turn those into pins that people can wear on their shirt. Uh, and so after, when you're hired on after three months, uh, uh, basically we hire people on a probationary status. And after three months, you're, you're you know, like fully an employee. And at that moment, they get to decide what their favorite core value is and they get that pin to wear. Uh, so, so we have stuff like that. Our executive team has an assigned core value for each department because we have five departments and five core values. So, so I minted gold ones for each of them. And I said, this is your core value. Wear it every day. You know, so they show up wearing this, this core value pin on their, on their jacket or lapel every day to the office, you know, and they wear it elsewhere too. They wear it out. I mean, I, I was in San Diego recently and I had mine on and some guy stopped me and asked me if I was running for mayor or something. <laughs> oh, man, this is my core value. People ask me about it all the time. And it's, it's, it's a moment for me to say, this is a uh, human capital. This is what Taylor counseling group believes in. And this is why we're, you know, what we're, what we're doing. This is what our purpose is. Um, and so that's really cool. We apply those five core values as well to the decision-making process. So anytime we need to make a hiring, firing, you know, we do a review in anything, uh, we apply these five core values and we ask ourselves and we do it in, a, in an executive team meeting, which we have once a week. Uh, and we say, hey, how does that how does that embody our five core values? And if it's missing even one value, if it's missing even one, we don't do it. What are the values? Yeah, great question my friend they are affordable care transformational change collaborative growth community support and human capital of all of these things that you've just been talking about in these rituals that you are not only instituting but seem like they are very meaningful and carry a lot of weight with your people and you know those aspects of the culture that make it real I want to go back to the first thing that we were talking about. Is any of this possible without that rigorous, somewhat ruthless hiring process? I, you know, I, I say no. 
Uh, I'm sure other people would disagree with me, but I say no, because I think it starts with hiring the right people for your mission. We are a purpose-driven company. Uh, so we have a mission, we have a purpose, and that mission and purpose is backed up by our culture and by our core values, which we believe are the identity, the building blocks of our identity, right? These five core values. So, so if, if even one member of the team, of the whole, is misaligned with those. Now, you know, we have bad days and stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about from an existential, from an identity piece. Is misaligned with that. Say they don't believe in affordable care or they don't believe in collaborative growth the way that we do, um, then, then it's going to create a problem. It's going to create a cancer. It's going to create something that's going to eat us from the inside and it creates toxicity. And we find that the turnover that we have happens within the first three months, three to six months, very radically, because somebody was not honest with themselves during the interview process. And they found that we were not kidding, that we were not joking when we talk about how we do salary, how we do benefits, how we do comp, how we do culture. Uh, and, and they find themselves misaligned very quickly and they don't get along with their colleagues and they find that they can't grow and that they cannot thrive here. Man, this has been a very inspiring conversation. It, the, I, I, uh, it's, I mentioned that you were my muse. I never knew that this is why. <laughs> this, this, is the, this is the inspiration that, there's uh, uh, a Chicago song about that. You know, you're the meaning in my life. You're my inspiration. <laughs> right, they, they was, it's from my heart straight to Dr. Taylor. Uh, let's do a couple. Let's do a few just a little rapid fire before we let you go. Okay. Lay it on me. You have written a book and you have made an app. Which one was harder and which one was more fun? Oh, God. The app is like impossible. Oh, my God. Don't ever make an app. If you can do it. And, and our, our good friend Paramal explained this to me. If you can do anything web based, do it that way. Don't make an app. It's like. I didn't know there were so many bugs in an app. Like, I just feel like I'm an exterminator now. I'm like, how is this a problem? How did this happen? Like, I, it's, it is so difficult. It's still difficult. I love doing it. It's so much fun. It, it's amazing. I was just playing around on our website today, just, just messing stuff around, you know. It was so much fun. Uh, the book uh, was, um, I think, pretty simple uh, of an experience. It's just 10 short, powerful chapters for therapists to build a better business and, and focus on marketing. It, I wrote it because I keep getting the same questions over and over again from people. And that seemed like an easy way to say, here's 20 and give me $20 and here's my opinion. You know, uh, <laughs> it's a little bit more effective than a business card, you know. Um, sure. although, although Google's changed so much stuff now that the book is almost out of date. So I either need to do an update or just start giving it away for free. I don't know. But Is a company, a family, a team, or something else? Man, I don't even know. Uh, you know, according to the, to the federal government, it is an interesting thing <laughs> that's alive. So, uh, so I don't know. I like to think of it as a family, but... You know, the, the hard thing is um, you get to choose the company you work for. You don't get to choose the family that you're in. So, um, so I, you know, I think it's something else. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an amalgam of family and team kind of all together. Dig it. What, what is the toughest thing about recruiting and hiring Gen Z? I don't, when does Gen Z, how old is Gen Z right now? Let's see, how old is Gen Z? Are they like 20-something? 
Yeah, like they're 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 younger than you and me, man. That's the, 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 the that's at least one characteristic. <laughs> I don't think we are we are at Gen Z just yet. Maybe some of our support staffers are, but I, I don't think we're there because because to work for us, you have to have a master's degree and you have to be fully licensed. So master's degree plus three or four years um, before you get to us. So our youngest employees are in their mid to late twenties. So I'm not okay. sure where. I'm not sure we're there yet, but as soon as we get there, I'll be happy to come back and let you know. I appreciate that. So you you were ranked the 27th best small business to work for by the Dallas Morning News. What has been the coolest thing about that accolade for you and for your team? Uh, you know, I, they do it anonymously and they, they require that some like 80% of your company fills out the survey. So seeing that my people took the time to fill out that survey and i saw the survey i wasn't allowed to fill it out but i, I saw it and it was intense so the fact that that we had enough people that wanted to take time out of their day to give their thoughts and opinions in a totally anonymous way and we landed as 27th and we were named the most meaningful place to work in all of dallas is a separate award wow uh, like blew me away uh, that one specifically that that our people love what they do so much. And this is a this is a, an anonymous employee survey. So, you know, employees can just say whatever they want and, and they can, you know, you're, and you're competing with other companies. So so it was so cool to watch our people, you know, don't care about money, don't care about about this or that, but but they care about uh, the purpose and the meaning and the culture. Uh, that was really cool. That, that was awesome to see. Last one is, in your opinion, what is the best first step that someone could take to improve their company culture? Um, I think uh, a 360 review is the first and most important. Is a, uh, is a top-down company review of putting yourself on the chopping block uh, and saying, um, you know, what, what, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? Do it anonymously. Get everybody in the company to do it. Uh, so there's no recourse or, or you know, fear of, 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 uh, of a retro, or, you know, retaliation uh, and, and get that honest feedback from yourself. Because I think a lot of, uh, and we do it every year, and I think a lot of CEOs oftentimes get out of touch with their employees. And it's a very natural thing. It happens because, you know, you, you've got so much going on. Uh, it's not a bad thing. It's just we kind of lose touch. And a lot of people will not just knock on your door and come in and say, hey, here's a problem, you know. So, so doing that, and you might see markers of success uh, that you see, right? You might say, oh, we're doing great. We're growing. We're, we're really killing it. We're the 28th fastest growing company in DFW, right? Like, you know, all that stuff. But if your people aren't happy, you know, there's a, there's a storm brewing, right? So doing that anonymous 360 review for yourself, for all of your executives, uh, and making sure that everyone is in the right seat, uh, I think is, it would be the first step, you know, that's going to help you figure out where the problems are. Dr. Taylor, I really appreciate you coming on to the program, being a part of get better at business. I think that anybody that was listening certainly will have extracted a lot of really powerful lessons about culture and teamwork. And so thank you very much for being on the program. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm happy to come back anytime. Uh, and just to be clear, I, I don't have it all together. So every day is still a struggle. <laughs> we, just, another, we just love the struggle. <laughs> another powerful lesson. Thanks a lot, man. 
Thank you.